God bless you as you're seated. We're continuing on in our study of Meet Me on the Mountain, a look at the um, prophet Elijah. And we left him last week in the brook of Cherith. And uh, when, we, when we left him, um, well, the, book, the brook was bubbling. There was sufficiency there for him to drink. There was sufficiency there by the provision of God's ravens that he would have food. Um, and we saw that that place, Cherith, was called cut off. Um, it, in, the, in the Hebrew, the translation of it was to be cut off. And so we recognize that the Lord brought him there to cut him off with what was happening around, uh, to put him in a place of hiding because God was doing something within him. God was developing him. God was growing him. And um, so he, there, he more likely, excuse me, likely he was also protecting him from Jezebel and Ahab who would have loved to have killed him because what did Elijah do? We found out that Elijah said a word from the Lord that there would be no dew nor rain these years except by my word. So he declared that to Ahab and that would have been an insult to Ahab when you think that Ahab was giving honor to the Baal God who was the God um, of the rain. And so more than likely, Jezebel and Ahab could have been easily in pursuit of him. But God sends him to Cherish, Cherith, and uh, while he's there, he's fed by ravens. And um, these ravens, well, they were considered an unclean animal. If you were to read Leviticus chapter 11, the, the, the people of Israel weren't even supposed to eat ravens. And yet now God brings an unclean animal to feed and sustain Elijah. God chooses the different means. He, he makes what seems different to us, what seems complicated to us, because he's not about doing things our way, our how. Um, to fulfill what his plans are. But anyways, jo Elijah remained in Cherith. He remained at this brook and until the brook began to bubble dry. There wasn't even a, a drop to be found in that brook, but he did not move. Even though he had come to the place after a year of being there, finding that now there is no more water running, he did not move until God spoke to him. And that is where we pick up tonight in 1 Kings 17, verses 8 to 16. And let's just look at 8 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs Belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And so he arose and went to Zarephath. Everything is going well in your life. Everything seems to be rolling. The, the wheels in your car are in forward motion. But all of a sudden you find yourself in a place called Cherith where the brook is running dry. There is no water. You find yourself in a place where it's dry and you have to make a major adjustment and what do you do? 
Well, you see, in our human flesh, we rummage around and we look to see what we could do to make, to make adjustments. If it's finances, we look to cut here, cut there. But what did Elijah do? He waited and he waited and he waited. And on that moment that God said, arise and go, was when he went. And he went to a place called Zarephath, which is part of the Mediterranean. It's about 160 or so kilometers from where he was. From where he was in Gilead, 160 or so kilometers. That's a round trip for me by car from home to church to church to home. It's about a two-hour drive or so, right, depending on the person driving and how heavy their foot or how light their foot may be. But he had to walk it. And where is he being brought? But he's being brought to this region um, where Queen Jezebel is from. Queen Jezebel. He's being brought from Cherith, where the book is dry, and he's going to journey. Now, it's obviously going to be on foot because if it was by a horse or any other means, I believe that the scriptures would have said so. And he journeys to, to Zarephath and it's in the heat of Jezebel County. Don't you think that would have been a little risky for him? Considering the word that he gave Ahab, her husband, and isn't that a little bit um, unique of God to bring him from a dry place into a more risky place? Sometimes God directs us into situations that don't seem to make sense at all. Really, God? You really, really want me to do that? But he's asking for our obedience. He's asking for our obedience, not our delays, but simply our obedience. God, you really, really want me to do this? You really want me to go to that place? God, I, I just want your obedience. I just want your obedience. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, God knows what is ahead. That's the part we don't know. He knows what is ahead. He knows what he is doing. And it may seem like God doesn't know. But God, can't you see? But God, don't you realize? These are things we often find ourselves saying. But God, don't you understand that if I go there and this, this, and that, and God, don't you get that? But God, don't you see that over there is this? God knows what is ahead. And though it may not make sense to us, hold tight because he has a plan. Hold tight because he has a plan. In 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28, it says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. God chose the shamed, the strong. 
Think of this as we consider this woman that we're going to meet. So Zarephath may not have seemed like the ideal place for God to bring Elijah. It may not have seemed like a place uh, for Elijah to go to. In fact, it may seem like a very low place. But Zarephath means this, refining. Zarephath, it's it's a crucible place. So, okay, God, you're going to test my faith by bringing me to Cherith. You're going to feed me with animals that your law says I should not even eat myself. And, and And you're going to, in a time of famine and drought, make sure that I have sufficiency. But wait, wait, let me make sure I have this understood. So now you're going to bring me to a place of refining. You're going to bring me to a place that's going to feel like I'm in a crucible. God, are you sure you know what you're doing? You see, sometimes we expect that when God transitions us from from place to place that everything will go hunky-dory smooth. But we have to understand that if there is some bumps in the road, there's something likely that needs to fall off of us. Right? Because a bump causes the unnecessary things or sometimes the excessive things to be bumped off. So God knows that transplanting us is often what's needed. And for Elijah, there was a need of a transplant because God knew what he needed to do deeper in Elijah's life. So Zarephath would become a a place for Elijah where his faith would be further tested. It would be a place of heated like that crucible so that all the impurities of his life would come to the surface we don't like to think of that when god transitions us in in our lives to think that he's turning up the temperature in his furnace because there's some areas in our life that he just wants to get out because they're hindering that reflection that reveals who he is and so here is elijah in that place of transition, and he's making that obedient step. But God is not concerned with whether or not he's going to be willing, whether or not Elijah's willing to be a part of a miracle. Okay, well, if God's, gonna, if God's bringing me there, he must be up to another miracle. God's not concerned whether or not Elijah's will, willing to be a part of his miracle plan. God's concerned with his obedience. And that's what he's concerned with with you and I, with our obedience. Not just our service, but our obedience. Let's go on to verse 9. It says this, the latter part. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So now we're going to meet another character in our story and she is a widow and during the biblical times widows were notorious for being um, being poor yet God told Elijah that this widow was going to feed him you know what Zarephath was it was also a place where predominantly they were Gentiles and so here he was going to receive his provision from Another unlikely sort, she was a widow, which probably showed that she was poor. Secondly, she was a Gentile. 
and she would be taken care of, he would be taken care of by a Gentile, by a Gentile woman. So can you hear Elijah once again? Get into the mind of Elijah. Get into the shoes of Elijah. Let me understand you, God. You're taking me from nothing to bring me to nothing. So that's your plan. You're taking me from a place where the brook has run dry and you're bringing me to a place where she has nothing to give me because she's a widow. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm just going, God, by what I know, the widows are poor. Is it really going to be worth my 160-kilometer journey, God? Maybe that's what he was thinking. Maybe that's what was in the heart of him. Zarephath was going to be that place of refining him. But you know what? He was going to learn that God wasn't bringing him to this place to preach. He wasn't bringing him to this place to to bring another word of the Lord. But he was bringing him to this place to be dependent Dependent, dependent on a Gentile resident in a very pagan community. Huh. God is just getting more and more interesting as we go. He's bringing him to be dependent on a Gentile woman in a pagan community. And don't you think it's kind of ironic when, when uh, the Israelites were told not to Mix in with the surrounding nations that God is now bringing him to a place where a Gentile is going to take care of him? Isn't God yet more and more full of surprises? This is how God gets us to remove our man-made thoughts of thinking. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. This is how it's going to go because this is how humans tend to be. We tend to make plans. We tend to cross all the T's, dot all the I's, make, make sure everything is in order so that we know exactly how it's going to plan it. How many of you go on a trip and plan every detail of that trip, right? Because you want to get the full experience, you want to get a good taste of what the people are like in that area. You, you've heard that this is a nice spot to go to. And, and they also have this. And so how many times we make every detailed plan to cover everything. And God is now bringing Elijah into that place. He's allowing you and I through the life of Elijah, through reading it and experiencing it through Elijah's life. Not everything is as we plan it. He's full of surprises. Sometimes God gives us blueprints like he did with Noah. This is how I want you to build the ark. This is how it's going to be. These are the parameters, the size, and so forth. Or how he said to Moses, this is what the temple should look like. This is a type of cloth. And all the details of the temple. And yet there are times when God holds back the blueprints Because he is going to do something that will confine the wise. To make them go, I didn't see it that way. Because what God has the right to choose for himself, how he will work and who he will work through and what he will work through. God has that right to choose how he will work 
who he will work through, and what he will use. These are the, he is God. Jesus illustrated this for us in, in Luke chapter 4. When he spoke of what took place with Elijah in verses 24 and 26. But before we get to that, the backdrop is Jesus just finished saying to them in verses 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And as I'm proclaiming the news to the poor, he's proclaimed liberty to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are weak. And this, and as Jesus is declaring this, they're listening and they're, they're taken up with what Jesus is saying. And they're saying, but is this not Joseph's son? And while they're murmuring and, and surprised by him, he, Jesus says to them, Oh, I no doubt you're going to be saying to me, Oh, physician, heal yourself. Do what you did in Capernaum. Do those works here. And then he brings in verses 24 to 26, and he said this, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land and Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow oh now when Jesus brings this in as an illustration they become enraged and what do they want to do they bring him to the edge of the town and they want to throw him off a cliff they want to see him killed. Why? Because he was accusing them of rejecting a prophet. He was accusing them for being as bad as the people were in the days of Elijah. And in other words, when Jesus is using this illustration, he's saying to them, you guys are just as bad as they were in Elijah's day. You bunch of pagan worshiping uh, idolaters. They were offended by what Jesus was saying to him, and they wanted to see him killed, throw him off the cliff. Elijah was unpopular in Israel. Elijah, because of the prophetic word that he had given to Ahab. And you know what? He was welcomed by a woman who was a Gentile. He was welcomed by one from um, I don't know if I'm going to say this properly, Phoenicia, Phoenician. Thank you, Pastor Dino. He was welcomed by a Gentile. He had a very unpopular word to say. And rather than being accepted by his own, he was welcomed by a Phoenician woman, a Gentile. And so they did not like hearing this from their Messiah. Or from the Messiah. So it's, it's traditionally considered in the old biblical times that when a prophet comes into a town, you would, you would treat him with honor. You would respect him. You would, you would bless him, right? And so let's go on to verses 10 to 11. He sa it says this, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a woman was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. 
So the thing is that God told Elijah that he had commanded a widow to feed him. What do we find this widow doing? She was there by the city gate gathering sticks. Does she know? Did, did she not know? If the word says that he commanded a widow to feed her, what is she gathering sticks? It, perhaps in faith she went out. Perhaps there was a stirring in her heart. I don't know exactly how God commanded her to feed a widow, but we could unpack it. Either he commanded her before Elijah came or he commanded her as Elijah spoke to her. Because remember, Jehovah is God. And when the prophet spoke, his word was as if it were from the mouth of God. And so here is this this woman gathering sticks. Perhaps she went out to, to collect the sticks. If it was that God spoke to her before Elijah get there, got there, perhaps she went to gather sticks because she felt that something was to take place. I don't know who this prophet was. Perhaps she wasn't expecting it to be Elijah. I don't know. But here we know is that she was gathering sticks. And as she was gathering sticks... God comes in through Elijah and he says to her, go and prepare, give me a little bit of water. And as she goes in her obedience, he asks for some bread. As she goes in her obedience to Elijah, she just met him. She doesn't know him. In fact, she was thinking of feeding her son and her their very last meal. She was preparing, we know the story, she was preparing for their very last meal and after that they did not know when they would eat again. What she had in the home was sufficient for one more meal. Was sufficient for a meal between her and her son. But God is not man when, that he should lie. And so if he commanded a woman to feed Elijah, then we could know that he commanded the woman to feed Elijah. And if he commanded the woman to feed Elijah, he would make provision for his command. So in faith, she goes to prepare the meal. In those days, like I said, when a prophet spoke a word, it was as if that prophet spoke God's word. It was as good as God saying to her, feed me, feed me. Psalm 37 verse 25 says this, I've been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. There's a famine in, his, in the land. God's children won't be begging for bread. There's a drought in the land. God's children won't be begging for water. I was young and now I'm, I am old. But I have not seen the righteous begging for bread. God does not abandon the righteous or their children in the times of famine. 
Elijah was not about to be abandoned. Elijah was not about to be set aside. Oh, just be, just come to this place, encourage that widow along, help her to have faith that in this, in this time of drought, in this time of famine, that you know you, that she could at least give a prophet a meal, one last meal together. They'll all die. No, that wasn't God's plan. Elijah needed to trust God that he would make the provision that he would make because God said to him, go to Seraphath and there I have commanded a woman, a widow to feed you. Go. And so he had to be obedient and he had to trust God that he would make the provision of what he said. So he took God at his word and he knew the reality was that in his flesh, he couldn't see how that was going to happen. But in his faith, he had to believe that God was going to fulfill it. So he made the request for food. It seems a little bit presumptuous. It Maybe it seems arrogant. Listen, feed me before you feed you and your son. But God was... Wanting to demonstrate to him, Elijah's faith would help the would um, test the woman's faith. You see, here Elijah had to have faith to obey God, but his faith in his God was going to test her faith. Is somebody else's obedience while they are walking out their obedience, while they are being tested, God in their walk of faith? Is it developing your faith? Is your faith developing faith in somebody else? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Are we developing faith in somebody else as we are being obedient to God when things don't make sense, when there's a drought in our lives, when everything seems standstill, stagnant, dry, and not going anywhere, and we take that one step of faith of obedience. I'm going to go here. I'm going to obey God. I am going to do this thing. And somebody who is watching our life is now developing faith in their life by the walk of obedience and faith that God is building up in our life. This is what was being exchanged between Elijah and the widow, though they did not realize they were encouraging each other in their walk of faith. So it's obvious for us to see that God chose this woman for more than a miracle. He chose her for her service. See, she wasn't just going to be a miracle in providing Elijah with something to eat. She was going to be a service to him. She was going to prepare this food and she was going to feed this prophet. She was elected by God. She was chosen by God to feed a prophet. She was chosen by God to, to give him something to eat in a very dry time. I want to tell you this. You could be out and about on a regular day, whether that be in your job whether that be in your grocery run or your errand run, and all of a sudden in somebody's dry season, you could be chosen of God to say something that will bring life into them. 
that will say something that will stir up within them a hope to believe. So when she only had enough for her and her son to eat, and then they would die, she had faith to believe that somehow this meal for two would be sufficient for three. That was the result of Elijah saying to her, go and prepare for me. She knew within her hand, all I have is enough for the two of us. But somehow his request grew within her. It's going to have to make it for three. Just a side note here. Pre-COVID, we had special services here with, with Robert Martin. And um, so this one Sunday, uh, we had invited, uh, I, I had invited some guests. And, and so uh, Josh and I were talking. And, and so we decided after the morning service, we would all eat together. So between his family and the friends that I had invited, there, there was 16 of us, right? So each of us were going to bring something. His mom was going to bring something. He was going to bring something. I was going to bring something. And, and it was going to be enough for all of us to eat. So I, 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 I bought the pasta and... Um, uh, the meatballs and the sausages and made some sauce and his mom made some breaded chicken and blah, blah, blah. So I'm out at the store and I bought enough meatballs. I made enough meatballs for there to be one for everybody and then sausage for there to be one for everybody. She made the chicken and so forth. So now we come, we boil the pasta and we all eat. Well, there were some people that had lingered around upstairs, and so they were invited down to join us. So the, the number grew to 18. Oh, there was um, somebody seen sitting over here. There used to be a couch in this far hall. And so they were sitting on the, on the couch, and they had brought a, <laughs> a sandwich or so with them, they, these three ladies. And so somebody in our group came upstairs to use a washroom and they noticed these three ladies sitting there and said oh why don't you come down okay so they joined us we went to 21 and then somebody else anyways by the end it was 27 so here's the fun matter here's the fun fact so we had served everybody i did the one meatball and the one sausage on each plate and Dina had put out the the fettini or the breaded chicken that she had made and then Josh the salad and so forth and so on and so anyways as these people came down and made another thing and I was thinking oh geez lord I don't even have enough meatballs for everybody because I only had enough so I went in the pot and there was a meatball and every time I every time somebody came downstairs to join this little luncheon that we had there was more meatball and there was more sausage so now we're all done and we're cleaning up. Everybody's been more than fed. And would you go to the pot and there is pasta and there is sauce and in the sauce is meatballs and sausages. And would you like to take home and who did? Everybody took some home. And I said to Josh's mom, I says, the funny thing, Dina, is we prepared just for the 16 of us. I says, I know how much meatball and sausages I made. But I says, the more they kept showing up, the more we seemed to have enough for everybody to take some home. Faith would believe that somehow this meal for the two of them would work out to be enough for the three. Faith would have her be willing to prepare a meal knowing that there isn't enough 
believing that when it was done, there would be enough. Elijah's faith in obeying God. Go. There's a woman that's been told to feed you. And asking her for food, knowing full well she had just enough because she said to him, I only have enough. Verse 12, let's read it. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that what we may eat and die. Elijah, you just asked me to do something very difficult. I only have this much. As planning on our death, but as your God lives, as your God lives, she put herself in the faith of believing in Elijah's God. Why? Because his name said Jehovah is God. As your God lives, your God who is God, I will go and prepare So as your God lives, I know your God lives, I know he is your God, but the fact still remains I've only have enough for the two of us. Elijah detected something here. By the spirit of God, Elijah detected something here because he responded to what we all need to listen to very carefully. Whatever is your dry season, Whatever is your dried up book of Cherith, whatever is your Zarephath, your crucible, your refining, this is how Elijah responded to her. Do not fear. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first, oh my goodness, But first make me a little cake and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Elijah is calling her not to fear, but to do as he said. That's quite presumptuous. Don't fear. Are you kidding me? Each time that Sunday I went to the pot, oh, they, so I, they were upstairs and so I invited them down. Oh, this, no kidding, this one guy walks by the church while somebody went outside to do something and oh, would you like to come in? The guy invited the guy in and, and brought him downstairs and I was like, took the paper plate, went to the pot and I was like, Oh, gosh, I hope, Lord, there's something for this poor guy, you know, like, went in the pot, and yet there was. Are you kidding me? Do not fear. Go do as I said. Prepare for me something first. There's something greater happening here. Elijah has learned, Elijah has learned that obedience brings provision. Why? Because First, he was told to go to the brook of Cherith, and he obeyed God. 
Then he was told to go to Zarephath and there would be a widow. And he obeyed God. Now he's saying, I I got it, God. I got it. That when I obey, you provide. You provide. It might not be the way I think it should look. But you provide. Oh, it might not be that I won the lotto, but you provide. It might not be the, the, the big fancy car that I intended, but you gave me four wheels. Oh, it, it might not be, be the big fancy house with all the luxurious, but it's a home. And it's a roof over my head. I get it, God. Obedience brings to the provision. And when he obeyed the Lord, he went to Cherith. God provided those ravens to feed him. God will bring your blessing in the unlikely places when you walk in the obedience. And now God instructed him to come to Zarephath and be fed by a Gentile. And so he knows that he knows that he knows God will provide. Don't fear. Go do as I said. Now he's speaking directly to this woman who has intentions to starve to death during this great famine that was taking place in the land. And God is saying to her, put away your fear. You want me to put away my fear when the cost of food is raising, when the cost of gas is raising, when everything is going up. You want me to put away my fear that you're going to provide for all the bills of the house? God wanted her to put away the fear and replace it with trust in him. God, Elijah, your God, your God. God is making her to be in a place that he would be her God. Elijah could be so audacious and so presumptuous to ask her to make him something first because he knew that God would feed him. He knew that God promised him there would be a widow. And no sooner he got to the gate of Zarephath, there was the widow. So then the widow's obedience became God's great place of blessing. Her obedience became God's great place of blessing. Verse 15, and she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The remaining of that famine, her and her household, Elijah and her and her son ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Every day when she went to the, to the jar of flour, there was enough for that day. Every day that she went to the oil for it to be mixed with the flour, there was enough for that day. Notice that God did not bring the abundance of all that she would need for the two years. And to cover them during that time of famine, he brought for the, the sufficient 
for the hour, sufficient for the need. Why? Because God knows what's ahead. God knew that if, if he provided in the abundance, that what would happen? Perhaps riots. Perhaps others would come to rob of the supply that God had given. Perhaps her faith would have been only for that moment. Perhaps there would not have been a development. But each day as they ate, there was that gratefulness. There was that provision. Just as he did with his children in the wilderness. Each day there was that provision. Why? Because he said to us in Matthew 6, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Believe God for that hour, for that time. Oh, we need to worry about our retirement pensions oh what will be my 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 bank account for my retirement will it be sufficient for sufficient for the hour sufficient for this time i will bring what you need for now don't worry about later trust me for now what can we take away from tonight obedience brings the blessing but obedience, my obedience, should reflect you to have more faith, to walk in your obedience. Your obedience should reflect her, should reflect him, to walk in their obedience. It should stir us on that as, they, uh, as others are watching us, their faith is growing to believe in God. The other thing is trust God for that need, for that time. That whatever famine you find yourself in, is it a famine of the word? Like the, like the scripture tells us that there would be a famine of the word. Then we know that the word is right there before us, that we can go before the Lord. Are you needing something for today? Are you needing him to speak into your life today? Well, you know what? The word is there to speak to you daily. Is it a famine in your finances? Is it a famine in your faith? Is it a fa Where is the famine or the drought that you are facing right now? Through the life of Elijah, Elijah, we could see that in his obedience, God provided the unlikely source. And that unlikely source had to walk in two things, obedience and no fear. You and I could walk in that place where our fear is laid out before the Lord. Lord, I'm not going to afraid. I'm not going to be afraid for tomorrow. I'm not going to be afraid that the brook is going to run dry. I'm not going to be afraid of, uh, of there being a famine because I was young and now I am old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken or go hungry. And so you could know that whatever is your situation, God will provide. He will use unlikely sources, and he will provide. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that through the life of Elijah, Lord, you are building faith upon faith because, Lord, you are about to do something extraordinary through this man. What are we waiting for? A miracle that only you can provide. 
Lord, I pray that tonight as we close off, that you would just allow this seed to ruminate within our hearts, that God, we would trust you with the impossible, that we would walk in obedience no matter the distance, that Lord, when we arrive at the place of our obedience, that we would then trust you even when you use unlikely sources, oh God to pour into our lives. Be glorified tonight in each and every one of us. And Lord, may our journey for you be encouraging others to walk in their faith, to know that you alone are God and you provide. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.